Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm a mom to two boys, former middle school teacher, new homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to the 13th episode of Tulip Mamas and part two of our holiday gift guide. Last episode, we told you what to buy for all those little people in your life. But this one is about for the medium people in your life. So, um, and as far as like the big people in your life, you're totally on your own. That's my problem too. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't even buy for the big people in my life. <laughs> but the medium people, we got you covered. Hardcore. Yes. Because, you know, my life has revolved around medium-sized people for way too long. I'm kind of missing those days. Um, I was. I, I was. I was thinking, oh, this will be sad when it's gone. But lately, um, now that, like, the quarantine is sort of starting to come back, it's getting, oh, it's that miserable time of year in Massachusetts where it gets dark at 4.15. That'll break your heart. Let me tell you what, that's like a culture shock. So what that leads to is your children are always home, and they're always in the house, and they're always with you. So I don't feel that. There will be ever a time where... <laughs> I will miss these children because they're literally always under my feet. Love them, but still. Well, a friend of mine pointed out to me that my child's almost an adult because he will be 17. Oh my God. That's great. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. It goes so fast. And I know like, I've, I remember like being a new mom and people were like, oh, enjoy it. It goes so fast. And you're like, I'm covered in poop and I haven't slept for three days. No, but it does. I mean, my husband and I sometimes just to make each other smile, will like, if we get a, a picture of our son from like when he was five or six or something pops up on our phone, we're like, oh, look, look how happy and sweet he was. I know we do that too. Like, look how cute he was. And he didn't talk back. And <laughs> I had to explain to my younger son, who's seven, mind you. Oh my that, gosh, he is not seven. I know he's seven. And he uh, was upset because his friend had called called him a dumb dumb and he's like but I'm not dumb I don't get this and we had to have a conversation that in regular houses people don't use potty words uh. so that's what they might say instead of a potty word it doesn't mean that you're dumb and he's like oh like I would just say you're an ass and I'm like yeah that's our problem <laughs> you should do the potty words because <laughs> well how come some places don't say potty words mom and I'm like well because your mom's got a potty mouth and your father's got a potty mouth and so it's really hard to stop it and he goes, all right, cool. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. I mean, I like, I, I always forget like people, other people don't talk that way. And like, there'll be a guest when I say like a curse word in front of my son, like, <gasps> what did you say? Or to my son. And he loves it. He doesn't care. He thinks it's hilarious. Oh, I, I, hello. I'm like a trucker with your son. <laughs> I even like send him and print it on oh things. Oh my gosh. You <laughs> sent him that card that said you suck. And he's he still, it's sitting next to his computer. He saved it. He loves it Aww. so much. It was, he was cracking up. That's what I love about him though, because you can be totally real with older kids and be like, yeah, um, you are awesome. And I suck. And I'm sorry that it took me this long to get this. So and that's why they're like, yeah, all right, cool. You own it. But also my kids get that too. And the problem is when you have a big gap between your kids, like five years, like between mine, that little one gets exposed to horrible things because you just forget. You forget that he's so much younger and he's just always along for the ride because you got to go take the big one and the big one's going to ride with his, ride his bike with his friends. He's going to go do this. He's going to go do that. And you're like, well, come on, you're going. And God knows what they catch. Right. But, you know, like you, it's not like that, you know, right. everybody, it's not like a warm little kitty environment. It's like, come on, you're suddenly 13 and you're five. Oh, my gosh. That oh. makes me think of The Mandalorian because... Oh, stop. And I haven't even started watching yet. Oh, my gosh. It just cracks me up because everywhere um, he goes, people are like, you know, this isn't a good environment for a child. And he's like, and he, it just cracks me up because I'm like, yeah, I would, everybody's thinking the same thing. But they're like, whatever. He goes where the Mandalorian goes. I love that. I love that show. Oh, my God. It's so great. I just got nuggets of Mandalorian pajamas. And for Christmas, all you see are like baby Yoda things. I love it. I think he's adorable. My husband gets upset if you call it baby. Yoda, by the way. It's the child. It's not Yoda. What a super nerd. <laughs> I know he is. For the return of the Mandalorian, I got little Mandalorian gifts for my family. And I got, oh my God, of course you did. Of course you did. I got my son a mug that has the child on it. And it says, I love you more than chicken nuggies. And he's holding a plate of chicken nuggets and he's eating them. Oh, <laughs> My kids got me a mug for my birthday with the, the, the child, Baby Yoda, on it. And um, it's like him sing, like, you know, like his eyes are closed, swaying back and forth. And it's like when your jam comes on. And the kids are like, see, mom, like you, like when you do that. <laughs> 
because I, whenever we're in the car and Guns N' Roses comes on, I have to sing every word, especially Sweet Child of Mine. And they're mortified and they're like, oh my God, please stop. <laughs> oh, and that's why. I'm like, you guys, it's my jam. It's my jam. I can't stop. Well, I have to say that the child or baby Yoda is like definitely a bonding thing for every mom I know. Like we all just yes. love that little, it makes you laugh. Like, and my guys make fun of me because I laugh at like inappropriate times during the show because the baby is so cute. Like when he walks around with his little coffee cup. And- <laughs> I love them. But it's so funny because you know what? Like the whole Mandalorian thing was so needed. It was such a great thing. And I'm so, I'm so excited to watch the second season because those last few Star Wars movies that they were trying to win all us nerds back with were really bad. And now, but this is so well done and it's such a great storyline. And you see the same, a lot of the same characters in some alternative form i mean i didn't know that much about the mandalorians and that whole part where you find out like how he became a mandalorian the only problem i have with the whole thing is that he took his helmet off and i was he was not nearly as sexy as he was in my head and i was like all right i'm gonna need that to not happen again because you looked way different with that sexy voice than when you took that helmet off girl put it back on let me go back to my world i feel bad for that actor because every woman was like oh (laughs) that poor man (laughs) <laughs> I, I know. Well, his voice is so sexy and he does everything. Uh, and he's like, and he's so fatherly. He's a good father for, you know, for what he's got for not having anything besides. But, you know, I mean, if, I guess if our husbands had floating eggs to put the babies in as they came, they probably would have been good too. They would have taken them everywhere with them. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So we better get on our Christmas list or our holiday list, I should say. So are you decorated for Christmas? I have a question. Like, what's your stance? Do you, when do you decorate? Um... I don't know. I'm like behind the ball this year. So because I'm going to judge you if you say I decorate right after Halloween. I don't do that. Because I thought I have a problem with that. But go on. So probably like a couple of weeks before just because it sometimes feels overwhelming to get it all out. And even though I know a lot of people were talking about already decorating like or decorating right after Halloween because they wanted the pretty twinkle lights out and stuff. Because it's been such a horrible year (laughs) to take away the pain. And I get that. but. but yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling like kind of overwhelmed by all of that. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm a day after Thanksgiving. Gal. Yeah, that's a good time. It's a easy. But see here, I mean, again, as I say, it's dark at four o'clock. Right. So you get like ex- in New England, you get like extended Christmas light time if you put it up, you know. So we run our fireplace, like our fireplaces in our living room and it heats our whole house. So we just keep it going. So our fire, we always have a fire going. And it's just, you can't pass it up. You have like the twinkly lights and the tree and you got snuggling nuggets with you. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like, but I can't start earlier than that. I need Thanksgiving to happen in its own time with fall leaves, not backdrop by Christmas decorations. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, so shall we get started? Let's go. I got a list, girl. I'm ready to, to send you all shopping. All right. Let's do it. we know you're all dying for our opinions on all things books because obviously I mean our opinions matter um we are Judge Judy (laughs) and since we're building a whole podcast based on our opinions (laughs) because we like to talk about our opinions so much uh we're going to start off with some books that we've already reviewed so far and then we've reviewed a lot of books this is our what 13th episode we've had a lot of books pass through here I feel like we can't have like a holiday gift guide without going back over some of the books that really stood out to us right and especially because they were so brilliant I mean, the, the books that we've chosen, I think, were really some great books that are that need to kind of be revisited and, and we need to kind of hit those again. I agree. So I'm going to start off because that was my favorite book. It's my favorite book. But I picked it. I totally judged that book by its cover and it worked out well for us. I judged that book because it had a cool cover. I was like, never heard of this. No idea what this might be. Random choice. And it was awesome. And we're not from here. And that was from episode number three in our multicultural middle grade books. And that was one of the best books that I have read this year. And I have read, I think I'm up to 45 books this year so far. So it definitely was one of the top. Yeah, We're Not From Here is, yeah, I can't stop thinking about this book. It's the most brilliant sci-fi by Jeff Rodkey. I mean, it's just so And it's going to be a movie, soon to be a major motion picture. Yay! I did Goog it. I found it on the Goog. I'm excited. And I love, by the way, people reached out to me after that podcast and they were like, 
So we read that book and we loved it. It was so great. But was the main character a boy or a girl? Because my kids and I are arguing about it. And I said, oh, I love it. I love interesting it. Interesting point because that was intentional. So the main character can be whatever you want. It was so great. And uh, a friend of mine who reached out about that was like, oh, that's awesome. But she thought it was interesting. She pointed out her boys thought it was a girl and she thought it was a boy. Thought it was a boy. I thought it was a boy. It's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting too. But yes, that is one of the most amazing science fiction books. In case you don't have time to go back and listen to episode three. Which we highly recommend you do. You should. Although we're much better now than we were at episode three. Ten episodes later, we've grown. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually a great story. The humans become the aliens once you, they can no longer live. Of course, as humans do, we destroyed planet Earth. and they have to find a new planet because they've also destroyed Mars and kind of picked all the resources from it. They've decided to go to another planet that's willing to take them, but it takes a really long time to get there. And before they get there, that planet changes their mind because they don't want the violent immigrants hmm, to come in and sort of ruin their pristine culture. So I think it's a really, I'm excited. I have it. My older son is going to read it in a couple months for his, um, one of his homeschool projects. And I want to see, I think it'll be really interesting to see if he catches all the sort of political undertones to it. Again, we can't say that one enough. We're not from here by Jeff Rudke. Our second one that we've gone over is Stand Up Yumi Chung. I, I love know, that book. it's so cute. That was you. See, you you picked her. You judged yeah, her book. Yeah, I did by judge her book by the cover because it's an adorable cover. Um, that one's by Jessica Kim. It's such a great story about dear Yumi who kind of sneaks into a comedy club camp for the summer. She wants to be a stand-up. I love it. Her parents own the Chinese food restaurant and she's like, I don't want to be stuck here forever. I want to be a stand-up comedian. That's right. And so uh, sort of antics ensue because she has... Uh, sort of deceived everyone in getting into this camp. But it, you know, comedy saves the day. This is true. Um, That's a really great book for our younger middle graders. So if you've got like a third through sixth grader and you're looking for something, I also have to say this book straight up nails what it's like being an American kid with uh, some crazy foreign parents. She's got the accents down, just like correcting the parents' grammar, trying to get uh, your parents to figure out what they're saying. My kids do this with my husband all the time. They're like, what is he saying? What is this? (laughs) Or my younger son who's got this like horrible lisp and everything else like god baba work on your english work on your english (laughs) so it's a really great book for that if you happen to be shopping for somebody in that demographic as well Number three, Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly. And we are going to start stalking her because this book is so good. Oh, it's so good. My son read it. He loved it too. I mean, yeah, well, you had a conversation with my son about it. I mean, he really, he really got the gist of things and it was, it was a really great book. And that's from episode nine, our deaf and hard of hearing episodes. And you know, if you go back and listen to that one, I, um, if you haven't been listening, well, first of all, you need to go back and catch up, <laughs> but I have a hard of hearing son and we have been in the deaf community for quite some time with him. And so the representation in that is so unbelievably spot on. Everything is so perfectly done. The science aspect is a hundred percent. It's about a young girl who is deaf and uh, her main ally is her grandfather. And he's, he was also deaf and um, she is, was born to a hearing family, but her grandmother is partially deaf, but her grandfather was completely deaf and he passed away and she's kind of been struggling to find a connection. Her grandma's also been struggling. And so these two crazy broads take off on a cruise to go find a whale. A whale who's also struggling. Exactly. Who doesn't fit in either. Because his song doesn't match up with the other whales. So he's on his own. Such a great book. Oh, so good. And I have to say, I wouldn't buy that just for a kid. I would buy that for any adult that's connected to the, any way to the deaf community. I would buy that for any hearing adult. I, it's just a great book. But I mean, having said that, it's also not just for hard of hearing people or deaf people because it is such a great book and it gives you so much insight into that community and but also you just enjoy it for the adventure it is yeah great story and i mean representation is so important but accurate representation is paramount i've just been talking about this with our 
preschool families too. It's not just about representation. It's about exposure because the more you expose your child to other lifestyles and other types of people, the more empathy they'll have and the more understanding they'll have. Oh yeah. I remember the first time somebody, we were on the playground and another kid signed back to my son. I was crying. I was like, oh my God. She's like, well, we use baby sign language. And I'm like, well, we use like real sign language because that's what he needs. But God bless you. Aww, that's so sweet. <laughs> Representation is huge. Yes. Number four on our list is the one we went uh, great guns about in episode eight, the creativity project. That was a great book um, to help you spark creativity in your kids or yourself, right? Yeah. By the way, so I we had challenged each other, right, to do something from there. And I tried to write a short story for you. I'm terrible at writing short stories. Every time I try to write a short story, my writing group says, no, this is a novel. And so that's exactly what happened. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I started writing this short story set during the depression in a one-room schoolhouse. And my friends turned it into this cool idea for a novel. So I probably won't get posted as a short story because uh, now I have a new project to work on. Is that your NaNoWriMo? Um, I wish it was my NaNoWriMo, but no, it wasn't. You should pants it. I know I should have. Just for those of you who are not total nerds like we are, NaNoWriMo is the National Novel Writing Month is the month of November in which writers and non-writers and new writers and anybody actually um, challenges themselves to write 50,000 words, which is a lot. Yes. Just for example, 15,000 words is like 50 pages because I just printed it off. So it's it's a lot. And you tra- challenge yourself to write that from top to bottom in the month of November. And you can also set your own word count challenge. So if you aren't as ambitious, but I also encourage like uh, for my teen writers club, I always encourage them to do it too. Middle schoolers and high schoolers. There's great groups. There's Yeah, it's, it's like such a great supportive community. And there's a camp in the summer we can do it too but it's really fun so anyway if you're if you're interested in writing um get the creativity project use it as inspiration and then jump in on a NaNoWriMo and that was written by our favorite teacher right or put together I'm sorry not written but put together by Mr. Sharp Colby Sharp yep check him out too because he's great resource. Yes. His, his website, his YouTube channel. We got everything. All right. Our next one. This is our favorite because we are, <laughs> my, my kids think I'm so psycho. They're always like, um, mom, are you watching murder? Yes, I am. I am. If ever I'm like, cause I always have to tell if I'm cooking or something. Yes. I'd love to be watching 90 day fiance, but it's raunchy. So I can't have that one on. Cause I don't want to explain those things to my children that happen on 90 day fiance. <laughs> and that is something that my husband and I watch together. <laughs> and that's our form of bonding. Because when you've been 90 Day Fiancés 15 years ago, you have a place for that in your heart. Anyway, um, so I always have a murder show on. So my kids have now started getting really into murder and mysteries. I shouldn't say that. That sounds really horrible. My kids are really into murder. They're not murdering people. They're watching it. They're watching murders. We watch. They, they love a little Miss Marple. And um, These are cozy mystery murders. So there's no actual murder on the screen. I mean, Miss Marple, hello, there's not a blood to be found. And they also are really into Midsummer Mysteries. Midsummer Murders, excuse me, Midsummer Murders. Midsummer Murders are the best. Yeah, it's great. They're, they're like totally nonviolent. My son just started playing, oh my gosh, it's some sort of online game. And it's a murder, like you have to solve the murder. And he's like, mom, you would just love this game. And I'm like, if I had time in my life, for a game. I'm sure I would, but he's like, I have to solve the murder. And sometimes I'm the murderer and it's just amazing. And I'm like, Oh, nice. I've taught you well. (laughs) So if you have little nerds in your life that like a good murder mystery, we got a couple picks for you. Oh my gosh. What's your first Um, one? Well, and we talked about this in episode seven during our cozy mysteries for middle grade, but this is murder most unladylike. And it is so great. It's a whole series. There's a ton of them. They have the best names like cream buns and crime and all kinds of stuff, but they're sent in England, of course, at a girls' school. And it's about these two girls who form a detective agency. And their very first book, a teacher has gone missing, but they know that she was actually murdered. So they have to prove that she was murdered. It's so fun. These books are so fun. Wasn't that when we first stumbled upon bun breaks? And we were like, we need more bun breaks in our life. (laughs) Bun breaks. I, I mean, hello, obviously. Give me all the bun breaks, please. So anyway, it's set at a British boarding school, so it's a blast. It has all kinds of fun stuff in it. I haven't read them yet, and I'm really excited to. They're on my list because I think they look really fun. Um, the other one was a surprise that Auntie Hee Hee sent to my boys with their Halloween goodie box. 
And it was, it's really cool. It's called uh, Murder Most Puzzling, 20 Mysterious Cases to Solve by Stephanie Von Ricewitz. It's not a big book. It's like a picture book. It's got, you know, drawings and everything like that. But there's, it's a lot of text. So you, it, it's something that an older kid would need to read. And each chapter-ish, or whatever you want to call it, each couple pages, it lays out this huge mystery like here's what happened and then um sometimes it gives you the next page is like some clues like can you find these missing items and how does that help you solve the murder and then you have to talk it through and solve the murder oh cool and i'm really bad at it my kids rocked it my kids are really good they're like well that's what happened i'm like oh yeah and then the answers are in the back which is very very helpful but the answers you need the answers yeah if you're like (laughs) you need the answers because i was like i got no clue i have absolutely no clue who killed him or why or anything like that but it's great it's it's very much like it's made for kids it's totally appropriate and it's just a fun it's a really fun book for you as the parent or as the caregiver to, to read with them and do it together. And that's like for any age, it's not just like my older son loves it. He's like, Ooh, let's read one of those. And we all like snuggle up in front of the fire and we'll read one and try to solve it. And it takes us five minutes. Like when we're doing homeschool stuff or it's just like a, you know, to get them off of the stupid video games for five minutes or something. It's a great little break. And we kind of like go through the mystery. And by that's mystery. called murder most puzzling. And I was thinking about, I don't even know where I found that. I, cause you know, you always ask me like, how'd you find this? And I was like, I have no, I don't even remember where I found that book, but it is so cool. It's really cool. I just thought you guys would love it because you're all into murder over there now, since I got you hooked on murder, cozy murders. I know. Thank you. Acorn TV. <laughs> Shameless plug. You can give me a free subscription if you want. So yeah, definitely. If you got murder on your mind, that's the one I would say we got you covered. I love it because it's just a puzzle solving game, but it makes it fun because it's a murder, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's very, the, the the graphics, the illustrations or everything are very sort of turn of the century, sort of 1920s-esque, you know? How fun. It's really, it's really fun. It is really fun. And my youngest one has this obsession with Clue, even though I don't know if he's ever played the real game. He and a couple of kids at the Y. MCA program before school care used to make up their own version of Clue. So he's obsessed with the game of Clue. That was because none of them could read. Right. I mean, they were all just little nuggets. So that's why he thinks this is great because it's like playing Clue. When my husband and I were first married, we played Clue together all the time. <laughs> it was like one of our favorite games. We once tried to play a game when we were first married and it was Scrabble. And you should, that's not fair. How do you play that? Yeah. How do you play that when English isn't your first language? Not well, not well. My husband would just make up words and I'm like, you know, you, you're, you're really bad at this. And he's like, yeah, I don't like this. And that was the only time we've ever played a game. <laughs> my kids and I play games all the time. My husband wants nothing to do with it. He was scarred. All right. So if you've got a fantasy lover in your sh- on your shopping list, here's, we got a couple recommendations for you. All right. You're the fantasy queen. So I'm sure you have some opinions. I know. I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I have a new book I wanted to share. It's not one that we've talked about in past episodes. Um, It came out this year, so I thought it'd be a fun new book if your child hasn't heard of it yet. It's called Glitch by Laura Martin. Um, This is a sci-fi fantasy or time travel sci-fi fantasy. It covers a lot of bases. I know it does. Yeah, it had it had pretty good reviews. So I wanted to check it out for basically two reasons. One, I think anyone who's really into history is drawn to time travel books. I mean, hello, that's me. Um, I loved the time machine when I was a kid. And I also was obsessed with this It's sort of an obscure book, but it's called In the Keep of Time by Margaret Anderson. And I don't even know when that came out. It had to have been like the 70s or something. But I read it when I was a kid and I sought it out as an adult because I still thought of it. It's a book about uh, kids who travel to the past and the future in a Scottish border keep, you know, which is like those stone towers. No, I had no idea. I was like, God, please tell me what that is. So I don't look so stupid because I'm like, oh. Scottish border keep never heard of it oh yeah really fabulous so it's like this big tower and they like climb to the top and then fall and instead of dying they travel through time and it's so cool like that I know so I love that book so much so that's why one of the reasons I thought "Ooh, glitch it's a time travel book I gotta read it and then the other reason is because Laura Martin she's a local gal she's an Indiana girl she's in your hood yeah yeah so I like to promote them too and she she's most probably well known for edge of it her Edge of Extinction books, which are about cloned dinosaurs. And coming back to life. Yeah. The dinosaurs coming back. They're good. They're good books. 
Yeah. They're page turners for sure. But anyway, Glitch is set somewhere, I would say in the near future, because their lives are very similar to ours. But people have discovered time travel thanks to a genetic mutation called a glitch that allows people who have this gene to travel in time. So not everybody can travel in time, just people who have this gene. So you're tested when you're born. And if you have this gene, then you're whisked off to a training facility where you're raised to become a guardian of time because there are malevolent forces out there, bad people who have the gene who like to go back in time and mess with our timeline. And then the rest of you are just like schlubs that have to like sit around and keep the society going. Because you can't travel in time. So you're kind of like, I'm oh, sorry about your bad luck. It's very kind of Harry Potter in that way where you're like, okay. oh, you're the one born with magic. So you get to go to magic school. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of cool too, because the kids in the academy then are always doing these simulations to train them for to keep time, the timeline, where they basically have to go back and stop these um, bad people who they call butterflies because of the butterfly effect. Oh, cool. Yeah. When the glitch kids go back in time, they have to make sure that they don't like you can't even bump into somebody because like slowing somebody down might totally mess up their future. So you have to try to interact without affecting the timeline and stop the butterfly. So they do like intensive training from a young age, but it's kind of interesting because it, so they're training, then they're go back to specific points in time. So you get a ton of really cool like facts about historical setting. Like they go back to like Abraham Lincoln's assassination or um, World War, uh, one of the wars and stuff. So it's also can be kind of traumatic for these kids because they're going in points in history that are pretty crazy. So anyway, but you get a ton of history, historical information too, which I thought was cool how she managed to like teach you history without, you know, with it being interesting. So the book is like a two part where we're going back and forth between Reagan and Elliot. Reagan is a girl who her mom is the head of the academy. And so she kind of has special privileges. And then Elliot is a boy who was orphaned as a child. So he doesn't really know his own past, but he's set really high goals for himself to become like the youngest person to become an actual glitch guardian out in the world. Anyway, so those two, they're not really good friends. In fact, they fight kind of like, um, what are those like cop dramas on TV where the main characters like bicker the whole time? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that. I thought it might get old, but it it really didn't. It was kind of fun. And then of course, they come together to save the day and stuff. So it was pretty good. Um, but I thought it was a really fun book and a fun way to explore history. Oh, wow, cool. And then you had another one for us too. I did. I have a fantasy book that I um, am really, this is a new series that's being produced by Rick Reardon and Rick Reardon is from the um, Percy Jackson fame. He started the Percy Jackson. He wrote the Percy Jackson series, lots of other books as well, but that's, you know, sort of like you might associate the name with that. This is really an interesting series. It, the first book in the series is called Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by uh, Kwambe Mabela. But this book is really awesome. Um, I'm about halfway through it, but what I, I mean, I can't, it's like one of those you can't put down. It's taking a look at all of the really amazing myths and legends of the African culture and African and Indo-Asian kind of cultures and using those like in this one it's uh John Henry and Br'er Rabbit and a bunch of really great strong myths that are used in the in this telling of this story so instead of just one more book about you know let's talk about Greek mythology which is awesome don't get me wrong um this is a great take and it's all characters using the African folktale in this one so this is the first one and it came out. The second book is coming uh, soon and it looks like there's going to be, a, a, it looks like it's going to be a pretty lengthy series. So that's a great one to start with, but it's called Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kawambe Mabilia. So uh, that's a great, a great fantasy book. That sounds interesting. It does. It really does. And I, again, I am so a hundred million times happy to just not see white characters everywhere. Right. Um, to look at other cultures and see that these other cultures have these great, amazing myths and actually make them mainstream. And that's exactly what it looks like Rick Reardon is doing with this, is to take these great myths and make them as mainstream as Greek mythology. And I think that's just unbelievably brilliant and awesome and necessary and important. Cool. There's my soapbox. So check it out. Um, so I took this detour because I, of course, don't have my Christmas shopping done because I'm trying, but um, I get distracted a lot. And I then think, I'm done, but then I'm not because I buy a hundred more things. So I thought one of the things that I love to buy my kids every year is my kids love to cook, especially my older son. He is always cooking. He's the, he made this like 
a massive bread the other day with all kinds of steps in it that I'm like, girl, you're going to outbread me someday. But um, this one I was really looking at this series. I stumbled upon this series and I think that it's something that should be noted because I don't know. Do you ever listen to America's Test Kitchen on NPR? All the time. Isn't that PBS too, I think? Yeah, we watch it every weekend. Yeah. I love that. Um, so America's Test Kitchen put out these, there's one each year. They put one out so far from 2018, 2019 to 2020. How cool. And they are very exact exactly like the show. It'll explain at the beginning, like their salt is used for this. This is the salts that there are. There are these kinds of salts. These are all the different for these recipes. We have only tested with this salt. And it's, so it's really scientific in its uh, terminology. It's very clear. Uh, my kids are big science nerds too. So um, the first one is called the complete cookbook for young chefs. And that's the first in the series. The complete baking book for young chefs is the second one. And the complete DIY cookbook for young chefs is the third. So in their uh, America's Test Kitchen Young Chefs series. And they're just really fabulous. I ordered all three. Don't tell my kids because they're they're great. And, and it's not like sometimes when you get kids cookbooks, it's like, let's make a grilled cheese sandwich. No, like my kids are beyond that, which is awesome. I'm sure there are kids that need that. But that's like a dime a dozen in a kid's cookbook. And if you watch anything on the Food Network now, kids can cook. Oh, sure. Kids are like, Top Chef Junior. They're on the baking challenge. They can cook. My son and I were obsessed with Master Chef Junior for a long time. I mean, we would watch those at night before we go to bed. It was so fun to watch. And he would say to me, Mom, why don't you cook like that? <laughs> like, dude, why don't you cook like that? Yeah, right? My kids are obsessed with Jamie Oliver. Every afternoon when we're done with homeschool, we're like, let's just take a break and chill out. And we always end up watching Jamie Oliver's 15-minute meals. And he's like, I feel like I need a Jamie Oliver cookbook. And I'm like, I don't know if you're ready for like squidding pasta yet but maybe. So those are some good ones if you got some young cooks and you want to get them cookbooks because in my world, cookbooks are books and they're totally legit. Oh my gosh. Cookbooks are amazing books because they cover so much math, science. Yep. And I love the cookbooks too that have stories that go with the recipe, like where it came from or why or the breakdown of, you know, yeah, the best way to do it or whatever. Yeah, there's tons of reading. There's tons of math, tons of science. And these are, I would say, you know, these are for older kids. Definitely. The the third one, the complete DIY cookbook for young chefs is marketed more as a book for teens and young teens. But I would say, you know, probably 11 or 12 on up. Mm-hmm. They're they're not something like, you know, the Mickey Mouse cookbook. Sure. A little bit more meaty. So that's a good one. And so if you got kids and you're looking for a series, what do you got? Oh, well, of course, I feel like we can't have an episode and not mention Jeff Kinney. So I know I feel like there's going to be a restraining order and it's going to come on me because, you know, he only lives like 20 minutes away from me. The mass state patrols coming to my house. So I have to say, Mr. Kinney is so thoughtful and always puts out a new book right in time for the holidays. He's no dummy. He is no dummy. And so, of course, the newest Diary of a Wimpy Kid book is The Deep End, which actually is I don't know if he wrote it this year, but it fits in with quarantine like so well. It's crazy because it's basically about the family is sadly living with their grandmother because they've run out of money. And so they're living in their grandma's basement. She won't let them come up to the rest of the house when she has company because she doesn't want her friends to know that their family is living in her basement, which is so terrible. But it's kind of cute because they're all stuck together. So it's very quarantine-ish feeling. Like it says, I love my family and all, but I don't need to spend 24 hours a day with them seven days a week. And that's exactly the way it's been around here lately. And that's like the intro. True words have never been spoken. (laughs) That is a very 2020 statement right there. Very 2020 statement. And so then they tried to figure out if they can afford to go on a vacation to try to get away and bond and have fun and alleviate some of the stress that they're all under. Looks like a really fun read. That's the the newest one in the series. He also just started a series with Rowdy. Oh, that's right. Yes. So that's a new series coming too. Um, it's really funny. I, I I know I sent it to you, but he did a, a book launch party. Oh yeah, the deep end. And it was all a drive-through book launch party at the his bookstore in um, Plainville. At the end, if you, you know, he was going to bring it out with a pool skimmer and like hand you the book from a pool skimmer. And it's very clever. It's like a full package deal with all those wimpy kid books. And the thing I that my kids really like about them and the, the younger one really likes, he feels like he's a reader, but he's not a great reader yet because he's only seven, he's just learning. And he's like, he can make out the story by the pictures alone. Which kind of puts it in that graphic navel, not <laughs> graphic navel, puts it in the graphic novel category. And he really loves that. This one is definitely way more pictures than I remember some of them having in the past. So it's very graphic novel or navel Graphic navel. <laughs> 
Um, my series to recommend is we just finished reading this series, but my younger, the first book in this series and the second one, we just got it. And my youngest is so excited to read this one. And it's the unicorn rescuing society is the name of the series by Adam Gidwitz. Another person we have to mention, right? I know. Right. I kind of stalk him too. Cause I really do love his stuff, but it is a great book. There's two kids and they meet on their, like on a field trip and <laughs> the field trip they're going into the, and maybe it's not funny if you didn't like live near Jersey. Jersey for a large chunk of your life or in Jersey. But, you know, as a Philadelphian, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. They're going on a field trip into the Pine Barrens, which is in New Jersey, and it's kind of ugly. But we used to go on field trips to the Pine Barrens, too. And they, while they're there, these two kids get distracted, and they find the Jersey Devil. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. And the teacher that takes them, Mr. Fauna, that's leading the field trip, is actually part of the Unicorn Rescue Society. And we all kind of have a suspicion going on, but and they actually are very connected to the Jersey Devil and unicorns and all these mythical creatures. The kids are great. It's a boy and a girl, and they're just absolutely hilarious. And it's this, like, nerd kid who's first day at school and they end up feeding they find out that the jersey devil loves these like a lara bar like an almond bar right (laughs) and his kid the kid is complaining because his grandma had made some and they brought them on the field trip and the girl's like well it doesn't matter you just have to like just give him whatever you have and the jersey devil ate the almond bar but picked out all the raisins so i have now been making almond bars in the same method as those in the book for the past two weeks because my son's obsessed because he might be the jersey devil i don't know (laughs) I'll tell you, I mean, again, recipes, there's nothing I love better than if there's food mentioned in a book and you can pull out, you know, find a recipe for it. Or if there's a recipe in the book, because that just brings a book to life for kids, bring it into the real world. You know, it's so cool. And it was funny because they were talking about them in the book. And I was like, you know, it's like those ones that I used to make for your brother to take to school. And he was like, I don't remember those. Let's let's make them. And so we did. And now he's just like, oh, this is and every time he's like, I, I go searching for the Jersey devil. I'm going to take some of these. And I'm like, well, you're going to need to go to Jersey first. So let's start there. But um, yes, it's a great book. And I'm not quite sure how many books, how many there are. There's like three or four, I think at this point, but they, you know, those series keep going and going and going and they keep coming out fast. The first book, is a great way to start any of these series. Same with the Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Any good series will stand alone. You can buy anywhere along the way, but I think it's always great to start a series because then you can just get them the next book. It's, it's an easy gift, you know? Yeah. Hello. That's why I have my copy. My son's older, but he still gets his Diary of a Wimpy Kid book every year for Christmas because it's a tradition now. I love it. It's a collection. It, it is a collection. So both of those books are pretty much like for lower middle grade, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Yeah. The stories are great. And I mean, older kids are going to enjoy them. But if you're looking for books that are more geared towards a younger reader, I would say those two are great choices. Just some other books that we want to go over that we we found on, in our research that we think are really great and would like to add to our list. And you're probably going to hear them on shows to come, but we're just going to give you a little taste of them at this point. One of those books is called Mary Underwater by Shannon Doleski. It's kind of a new, it's a 2020 release. It's getting a lot of slow growing press and it looks fantastic. Um, it, Mary's father was in prison and he's just gotten out of prison and Mary is um, showing up at school with a lot of suspicious bruises and the guidance counselor is kind of on to her because her father was abusive. And um, But Mary doesn't care because she's got bigger plans. She's building a submarine with a friend of hers and they plan to pilot it across the Chesapeake Bay. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like she's just a determined little nugget that's going to do what she's going to do and but has to deal with some real world problems along the way. And I think it's a, I think it sounds like a great premise. I think that looks like definitely one to watch. <laughs> the other one, I am so excited to read. I just think it looks like the greatest, brilliant. Like if, if I would have enjoyed a book as a young kid, I would have cracked up with this one. It's called Middle School's a Drag, So You Better Work, W-E-R-K by Greg Howard. I was just reading parts of this to my son the other day. And he's like, this sounds awesomely hilarious. And I want to read it. This is a story about Mikey Pruitt. And he wants, Mikey Pruitt's grandfather was a, um, an entrepreneur. And so Mikey thinks that he's got the gene and he should be an entrepreneur. And he's, but he's made all these, like, he's 12, P.S. Um, so he's made all these failed business attempts and nothing seems to be working. And one day, an eighth grade drag queen, Coco Caliente, mistress of madness and mayhem, whose name is actually Julian Vasquez, but he's uh, a drag queen, you know, when he's not in eighth grade, he 
comes to Mikey and he says, uh, here's your, here's your million dollar idea. You be my agent. And so he does. And Mikey becomes Juliet's agent at the Anything Talent and Pizzazz Talent Agency. Yeah. He books gigs for an eighth grade drag queen. It's this great little book about kind of Mikey learning that you just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to be like Julian. You can still be a really, you know, quiet kind of reserved version of the same thing and still, you know, you don't have to be over the top and it's a little coming out story. And I think it's amazing. Uh, You know me, I love a drag queen. I love a drag queen. Um, So the fact that you can bring drag queens into middle grade lit, I am there a hundred percent. I am so there. This third book I want to tell you about, I started reading this and I could barely put it down. So this is called Show Me a Sign. I kind of stumbled upon this. I don't even know where I found this. It's a really important book that I feel like everyone should be reading. It's by Anne Claire Lazat, and she is a deaf author. And she's also um, identifies as a bi- bicultural author, bilingual and bicultural author. Mary Lambert is the main character of this story. And she lives in a community on on the vineyard, on Martha's Vineyard in the 1800s. It seems to be that the large majority of people on the island in that community are deaf and they're born deaf. Uh, Mary has a mother who's hearing. She had a brother who had a tragic accident and he was also hearing, but Mary and her father are not. And that community lives with the Wampanoags on the, um, on the vineyard. And they, you know, cultivate the bogs. It's very New Englandy, but it's so, it takes place in the 1800s, as I said, and one day a scientist from the mainland comes out to, um, to he decides he's going to figure out why is it so prevalent? Why is the, why are there so many deaf individuals living on this island? And what, what is this? But he's very misguided. And Mary beca- gets kind of stuck in a very cruel experiment and she has to save herself. The writing is just stunning. It's just a really great story. So put a pin in that one because I think we'll be hearing more about that in a future episode. But that one is called Show Me a Sign and it's by Anne Claire Lazat. So all three of these books are out now though, right? Yes. Yeah. They're just released this year. Just 2020. I know it's kind of hard to find books this year because authors aren't doing a lot of... Right. So they kind of came out under the radar. Right. I mean, and what they are doing is online. So if you don't know about where to find them. Yeah. So that's Mary Underwater by Shana Dulesky, Show Me a Sign by Anne Claire Lazat, and Middle School's a Drag, You Better Work by Greg Howard, right? Yep. Those are my three choices because there you go. <laughs> because that sums you up. Because middle school drag queens, deaf characters, and science. That's my, that's my theme. There you go. All right. I just have a couple to add to that. One of mine is called um, Closer to Nowhere. uh, And this just came out in 2020 also. This is by Ellen Hopkins. Okay. So she is a very well-known author. She mostly writes YA because she covers pretty heavy topics. And this book, again, is is, uh, pretty heavy too. But this is like one of her first middle grade books. But the thing about Ellen Hopkins that's most well-known is that she writes in verse. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I actually got to do uh, like an online webinar with her at the beginning of the quarantine. I had signed up to see her speak and she is fascinating. I mean, she is a hardworking author. She had so many interesting things to say, but she did say that every time she tries to not write in verse, they're always like, no, we think you should write this in verse. <laughs> so I felt like the same for me. Like every time I write, try to write a short story, it ends up being a novel, people tell me. So I was like, I can relate to that. So um, but anyway, if if people aren't familiar with verse, I just thought I'd read you a little bit from the beginning of this book just so you get an idea. It's really great if you have a reluctant reader because there's not a lot of words on the page and not very intimidating. Anyway, this story, uh, Closer to Nowhere, is about, again, two characters, kind of like Glitch was. It goes back and forth between cousins Hannah and Cal. So Hannah sort of has like the idyllic life and then poor Cal has had some really difficult times. And he goes to live with Hannah and her family after his mom dies. And he he was living with his abusive father, but he has now gone to jail. So Cal has no family left and he goes to live with his cousin. So at the beginning, you get a little bit of a taste for both characters. And I'll read you the beginning. This is Cal's story. Fact or fiction, you can know where you are and still be lost. Answer, take it from me. I'm Cal, and I've been lost since mom died three years ago. Oh, I could show you exactly where this town is on a map, lead you through the maze of its streets, though I've only lived here 14 months, three weeks, and two days. I'm safe for now, but I don't know how long that that will last. I'm afraid if I start to believe I belong here, everything will change again. It's like off in the distance, I can see something that could be home, 
But every time I start in that direction, it's farther away. And no matter how hard I try to reach it, I only get closer to nowhere. Sounds great. Yeah. And his story is heavier. Like he's dealing with PTSD basically from violence and abuse. Um, so there is a little bit heavier. I would say this is probably upper middle grade, but, um, and then here's Hannah's part. It says definition of Hannah Lincoln. Wait a second. You want me to define me? Let me think. Okay, here goes. I'm Hannah Lincoln. Dad says we're not related to the dead president and I believe him. I don't look anything like Honest Abe. He was tall and skinny. I'm short and built muscly like a gymnast because I am one. He had dark hair. Mine's red with highlights like the color of a new penny. He had a beard. Um, no, not even a hint of hair on my chin. But I am like President Lincoln in one good way. One time my dad told me I was honest as the day is long. And so you kind of get a little bit of who they are just right off the bat. And it really yeah. just drew me in. It's such a cool story. And like I said, that's it. So you get like snippets, but it's so much information in such small language. And that's the cool thing about verse. That's what's massively important to reluctant readers too. Oh yeah. Because you're getting so much out of a few amount of words and it's less intimidating for them to approach it that way. I highly recommend that book. Um, again, it, I mean, especially if you have kids who like realistic fiction, um, it is a sad story, but I think it's definitely worth a read. Like I said, it's probably for older middle grade because there are things like uh, school lockdown happens in it and stuff like that. That's reality though. I know kids are dealing with it. So really it's good to give them some outlets for exploring that in fiction. And then the other book I wanted to talk about was the Enola Holmes series. Is that the, the new, Netflix movie or whatever it's based on? Yes, the Netflix movie. Yes. I think I talked about this and I don't know if it was the last podcast, but a couple of podcasts ago about I recommended the movie. The movie is so good. And so because the movie came out this year, these books actually were first published in 2006, but they've republished them this year. Oh, okay. And so uh, there are six books in the series and they're a pretty quick read. And I would say these are for like lower and upper middle grade there. I was reading on some reviews online and they were like, well, these are for older kids because it does mention like prostitution and stuff like that, but not like prostitution as in explaining what it is, but just her, she's around prostitutes because of where she goes in the city. But I mean, it's very British and the Brits don't really shy away from things that were historically accurate. So I don't really think that it's, I mean, I also read great reviews of people who read this book with like their nine-year-olds. So I definitely think you're probably safe with this. It, ha it definitely has some great information about the Victorian era and what it was like to be a woman during the Victorian era, which I think is really interesting thing to um, explore. So like I said, there are six books, Enola Holmes, The Case of the Missing Mar Marquess was what the movie was based on. But then there are five more books and these are by Nancy Springer. But yeah, they're not very long um, and they're fun. And I think it's a fun thing to explore the girl homes, you know? And I, I think any of those times that you can get the book movie connection for a lot of kids is so huge. Yes. And this movie was really well done. I know we've talked about in the past movies that weren't, but this one, I definitely think you could read the books and watch the movie and fully enjoy it. The movie is such a great family movie to watch. It's so fun. So that's my two cents about that. Awesome. And the only other thing I want to add to our list, again, these appeared in my mailbox from Aunt Hehe a few months ago. <clears throat> and these are great gifts. And they, they don't fall into like a reading book category, but they definitely would be great gifts. And they are the Cut, Color, Create books by Meryl Rainey. And they're paper toys. And they're amazing. And I'm going to put a picture of them on the blog and a picture of them on the instant. My kids went crazy over these. Uh, Meryl Rainey is a friend of yours, right? Yeah, I used to work with him when I was an editor at the kids magazines. He was one of our illustrators that we worked with. And I think he's he's still doing it now. And he does most of the covers for the for Jack and Jill and uh Humpty Dumpty magazine. So yeah, he's a fantastic artist. He's a very kind man. And he does this paper art and it's intricate. It's not like simplified for kids. No, and they're cool. Yeah. And they are very cool. I mean, I, I think it's a great challenge for kids to do them and they feel so good when they put it together, right? It's really not a challenge for the kids. It was a challenge for me. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what because I'm thinking. my kids would make me do them. And I'd be like, wow, I, I, you get like so sucked into them. Like we have a dinosaur one and we have a horse ranch and you get the parts, you color the parts that's it's on cardstock in the book. And then you follow the instructions. It tells you where to glue, where to paste, where to do everything. And you make these really like we made 
um, trees and rocks and boulders and caves and then all the dinosaurs that go in them. And my kids, of course, are giant dorks and they made uh, stop motion movies with them and everything else because they're fun. I love that. But they're really fun and they're great for my little guy does a lot of OT and that was great for him cutting and coloring. And my older one just he said he's like, Mom, it's like really therapeutic. You can just sort of like a rainy day sit around and color for hours and you're not just coloring something on paper, you're going to turn it into something. Mayor Rainey put out something at the very beginning of the quarantine. And it was like a a paper toy thing with robots. And that's where we kind of got introduced to it and really, really liked them. I think that's what launched these books too, because these books came out after he did that. And I think there was so much demand for those that he was giving away. Yeah. It'd be a great stocking stuffer. Especially going into the winter months and stuff. Yeah. When it gets dark o'clock. So it makes me so bitter. It really makes me bitter. Especially when you come from Indiana, where even like during daylight savings time, it doesn't get dark till like six. Right. Because you guys are like in the wrong time zone anyway. I know we are. It's, it's just terrible. And like at three o'clock in the afternoon, 3.30, you're driving around and like you can see it starts to get like the twilight and everything. And just, you just feel like the depression as a society. Like, oh, here we go. It's winter. Well, my first winter here, the football moms told me, they were, I was like, how do, what do I do? I don't know how to do this. I mean, it's going to be dark so early. Like, what do you do? She's like, you get wine and you get flannel pajamas and you come in the door after school and you put them on. And that's what it is. And all of them said the same thing. All the football moms are like, yeah, you get flannel pants and you get wine and that's how you make it through and welcome to New England. And I'm like, okay, great. So now we're, you know, this is our third third go at it. We're well-versed for it. Still don't like it, but we're ready for it. So I hope this gives you some great options. I feel like we had, this is a solid list. I'm ready to do some shopping. I know. I was thinking that too. I might have to start filling out some Christmas lists here. Um, well, that does it for this episode, right? Jingle bells. Unless you're going to have a sing-along. I think we could do that. A little holiday sing-along. I have a terrible voice. <laughs> Me too. I sound like divine. Remember divine? Like when he was in drag, ah, that's what I sound like. I sound like an old drag queen. You at least sound better than you did at the beginning when your voice was shot. I know the fall allergies kicked in. It started again. And I was like, no, now like Brenda Vaccaro. Oh my God. All right. So let's wrap this thing up, girl. All right. Just a reminder, you can find full transcripts of each podcast, as well as ideas for using the books we've mentioned here and many others with your family on our website, twolipmamas.com, T-W-O, O-L-I-T-M-A-M-A-S dot com. So uh, what's up for our next episode? What are we doing? I have no idea. Because you know that I don't know. Because <laughs> you don't check the spreadsheet. <laughs> I never check the spreadsheet. I think for our next episode, we're going to give you some holiday themed reading Aww. to get you in the, in the holiday spirit when you're snuggled up, quarantining again, quarantining forever. For the second time. For the second time as we quarantine our way to the new year. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So thank you for listening to Tulip Mamas. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website, like I mentioned. And you can also find us and catch up with our antics, especially on the Instagram, because I have been like, the reason that the Instagram is so active is because you're not on there. Because I can trash talk on there. I'd be like, look at Heather's house. Look what Heather said. (laughs) Great, great. She's not cool enough to be on the Insta. So you can find us on the Instagram under Two Lit Mamas Podcast or on Facebook also under Two Lit Mamas Podcast. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kid Lit Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any places you get your podcasts. All right. Happy shopping. Happy shopping. Good luck. And don't forget, it's order early, order now. That's right. Bye.